Good morning. <laughs> oh, wasn't even worth asking somebody to get it at that point. I was like, yeah, I'm just going to go down in flames. Oh, man, it's good to see you guys this morning. Uh, real quick, I do want to say thank you to uh, our worship team, our worship, the whole worship team, which includes all of our tech folks and everybody. They've, they have worked uh, pretty hard this morning to try to figure out uh, casting out some demons in the microphones and all the different things. So anyway, just thank you to all those guys for all they do. I uh, really appreciate it. Um, not most of that is, is never seen and never thanked uh, for. So, but um, anyway, hey, uh, I want to just update you real quick. Uh, a couple folks uh, that are near and dear to so many of us, um, Josh Hudgens uh, and Alexis London. Uh, we've all, all been praying for these folks. These are uh, some key folks in our church who've been through a whole lot in the last uh, little while of their lives. And I uh, just want to let you know that uh, Josh is doing well. Um, and uh, he had a surgery last week. They put uh, his skull cap back on, uh, not his original one uh, they lost it somewhere or something which got dusty real mad back when that happened uh, you should ask her about it and uh, and then uh, but no they made they made him a new one and uh, it's like government plastic or something I'm not sure this is like cousin Eddie or something you know but uh, I, I love messing with him about that stuff uh, but anyway uh, so but he's doing he's doing great and uh, so just keep praying for them and and uh, uh, reaching out to them when you can and uh, Alexis is is doing well got to see her walking on Friday, uh, and uh, you know she's she's coming a long way, and she was laughing and smiling, and she's got like a half smile thing going on right now, and, and uh, she's very aware of that. But man, it was awesome to see it, and it was awesome to hear her laugh. Uh, and so uh, continue to be praying for them, reaching out to them. Uh, so just uh, just just very grateful. I, you know, a lot of times we end up sharing stuff; it's only bad news or whatever. I just wanted to just want to kind of praise God for a minute for what He's doing in, in their lives and uh, just how awesome that is to see. So uh, anyway. Um, so this morning we are uh, in this series on David, uh, if you're just tuning in, and um this is a this is a series just to you know I think it's good for us uh, to uh, first of all to be familiar with Scripture, uh, but to be familiar with what God has done through His Word and what we see Him doing in the lives of other people. Oftentimes, can be so very encouraging to us, and I know that is true for me. And this is definitely one of those passages that that is true for me about. Uh, and in fact, if you've got a Bible, let's go ahead and, and get it out. We're going to First Samuel chapter twenty-five. If you don't have a Bible, we have ushers, and they have Bibles, and they will bring you one. Just throw your hand in the air and wave it like you just don't care, and they will get you one, and uh, I'll be glad for you to have that. And in fact, if you don't own a Bible, you can keep that one and consider it a gift. We'd love for you to have it, uh, and uh, be glad for you to be able to follow along with us. But First Samuel chapter 25, and uh, this is a pretty a pretty uh, lengthy uh, chapter, and so we don't have time to read it all, so I'm going to kind of kind of fill you in on pieces of this chapter uh, as we go. And, and really, as, as a whole, what we're, what we're kind of seeing in this chapter uh, is we're seeing, this, uh, first of all, the story of God continuing to be played out in someone's life. It happens to be David's life, and in the lives of a few people uh, that will, will uh, be jumping into uh, their stories as well, and they'll be jumping into this story. And uh, with this, we see something that a lot of us are not good at. We see that sometimes we are called to wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Now, 
Patience is something that is hard for a lot of people. I don't know if you're one of those people, uh, you know, you, you just, you're so antsy about something, you know, you know what's going to happen or you need it to happen or you want it to happen or you want to make it happen or, you know, whatever it is. But uh, this, this is one of those passages that will challenge us uh, in that today in understanding that, that uh, things sometimes have to happen in God's time and, and sometimes we're tempted to try to make them happen in ours. And we have to be careful about that. Um, and so, uh, you know, I was talking with somebody this week. We got to talking about roller coasters and uh, something, and they were making a joke about how, you know, if they, you know, they were talking about some in particular roller coaster. I can't remember what, but um, that, you know, they they would have enjoyed it a whole lot more if they had really believed uh, throughout it that they weren't going to die. You know, that they were like, you know, when they got to the end of it, they were like, you know, I really, I really would have enjoyed that more if I thought I wasn't going to die. And um, but, uh, you know, we we're talking about waiting in long lines, you know, all that kind of stuff. You know, patience, patience is hard, uh, but uh, the payoff uh, is usually a good thing. And uh, in this passage, no different. Uh, we've got a guy in this passage that comes to play uh, in the story of David's life and in the story of God, and his name is Nabal, Nabal. And, and he's got a wife named Abigail. Uh, and N Nabal is rich. He owns tons of lives. Stock. That's how you knew if somebody was rich back in the day is like how many sheep and goats they had, and this dude's got thousands. So everybody's like, oh yeah, he's he's the man with the plan, the ball. He's rolling deep. Uh, he's got tons of sheep and goats. Uh, and then uh, and then he's married uh, to a hottie named Abigail. And you're like, Chris, we that's kind of being liberal with the scriptures there. Well, verse three it says this of First Samuel 25. It says, now the name of the man was Nabal. And the name of his wife, uh, Abigail, the woman was discerning and beautiful, but the man was harsh and badly behaved. He was a Calebite. And so we have just a little bit of information about these two, but that little bit of information is honestly foreshadowing to help us know what's going to happen in the story as we see it play out. And, and specifically for both of them, as we see just a couple of things that describes them, of course, she is discerning and beautiful, and he is harsh and, and, and behaves badly, okay? So some, some of you are like nudging people next to you and things. Don't do that, okay? Uh, you know, that's not, why we're, that's not why we're reading this. Uh, so... But, uh, you know, so with this guy, Nabal, uh, David sees an opportunity, and there's a whole lot here, and I encourage you to go read the whole chapter uh, when you have some time, maybe later today, or tonight, tomorrow, whatever your next time of, of spend some time with the Lord and his scriptures. Uh, but this, this, this story, I'll give you a kind of little backstory, kind of what happens next, is David uh, is, is, you know, his people are not very far from them, and, and, his, and his crews, his armies, have kind of technically been helping to protect Nabal and and his people group, the you know, and, and all of these people. And so David wants to kind of make something official. You know, he's trying to he's trying to get into this leadership mode. And part of this is he sees the opportunity to make some sort of a treaty, if you will, with Nabal. And so he sends some of his boys, right, to go 
visit Nabal. And so they go and they visit Nabal and, and he gives them some, some specific things to say to him. And, and it's basically kind of the rundown of like, hey, you know, uh, we're coming on behalf of David and he's the son of Jesse and, you know, he's, he's the new dude in town and all this kind of stuff. And, uh, and, and he warned us to let you know that a whole bunch of us have been hanging out with your guys, your shepherds out in the fields and helping protect your people and your flocks. And, and, and we've not harmed anybody of your people. Uh, in fact, we want to come and we want to be friends, but we also want to ask, he wants to ask, if you would mind, uh, you know, maybe helping feed some of these guys that have been helping, you know, and uh, uh, just, you know, let's kind of start this relationship. Let's, let's kind of let's get a thing going here. And, you know, we know you got a lot of stuff. We know you got a, a lot of animals. We know you got a lot of food for the people that work for you. Maybe you could share some of that food with our guys. Nabal, being who he is, harsh and badly behaved, as it says in verse 3, just completely is like, uh-uh, no way. I don't even know you guys. Who you think you are? And, and the truth is, like, his guys are even telling him, oh, yeah, no, David's guys, they've been great. They've been, like, protective but haven't harmed us. We've been able to continue doing our jobs. They've even been helpful to us at times. And the ball is still like, I don't know you guys, and I don't know this David guy. And who cares about son of who, Jesse? I don't know who that guy is. I don't care about any of that. And he just completely turns his nose up at David's guys. And so they return. And David's attempt to make this connection is kind of thwarted by Nabal's, you know, little attitude that he's got going on there. And this angers David to the point that David's response, in, like right in the moment, you can read it right there in, in the chapter, his response right there in the moment is he turns and he looks at his guys and he's like, boys, get out your swords. And it's like, it's like good old-fashioned Cheatham County, we're going to go whoop them. You know, like, you know, somebody, oh, somebody did what to your sister? All right, boys, get out the guns. You know, kind of kind of a deal. And so, and so here we go, and David... I mean, and you got to remember, David's like the mighty army man. Nobody beats David. I mean, he beat Goliath, and then from then on, I mean, it was like he is the army leader going to take over the whole world, and nothing can stand in his way, and God's on his side, and all of these things. And in this moment, he's angry. And he's like, guys, get swords out. We're going to kill him. And he makes a vow. He makes a vow that, like, there won't even be one male left in the whole bunch of them when he gets done with them. Abigail finds out what happens. And Abby, when she learns of this, she, she goes and immediately, and you can read it, it's all this detail information of, like, what she does, but basically she puts together, like, a buffet of parched grain and fig cakes and all these crazy things that they were wanting to eat back then. And she gets all this food together, and she's decided she's going to try to intervene. And she doesn't talk to Nabal about any of it. She just goes on because, again, she, she's discerning, and what? Uh, he's harsh and badly behaved. So she's trying to, like, you know, utilize, you know, her skills and, like, okay, well, I'm, just, I'm discerning. And, and she has somebody, she has one of Nabal's guys come to her and is like, hey, I'll be honest with you, these guys came while you were gone, and I, I think they'll come back and kill us if somebody doesn't do something. So this is her response, 
And then we get to where Abigail runs into David when David and the boys come back with their swords ready to fight. And we pick up in verse 23, and I want you to read. We're going to read a lot of it here, starting in verse 23 of 1 Samuel 25, and it says this. It says, When Abigail saw David, she hurried and got down from the donkey and fell before David on her face and bowed to the ground. She fell at his feet and said, On me alone, my Lord, be the guilt. Please let your servant speak in your ears and hear the words of your servant. She's basically, she's literally throwing herself onto the ground in front of him as humble as she possibly can, begging of him, saying, take, 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 take it out on me. It's my fault. What is she? She's not done anything wrong. She wasn't even there. And she goes on and she says in verse 25, let not my Lord regard this worthless fellow Nabal, for as his name is, so is he. And Nabal's name actually means foolish. So she's saying he's foolish. She's talking about her husband. Do you see that? Like, verse 25, I'm going to read it again. She's talking about her husband. Let not my Lord regard this worthless fellow Nabal, for as his name is, so is he. He is foolish. Lord, regard uh, uh, Nabal, uh, sorry, uh, it goes on right there. Nabal is his name, and folly is with him. But I, your servant, did not see the young men of my Lord whom you sent. Now then, my Lord, as the Lord lives, cap all capitals, Lord, is talking about God himself. As the Lord lives... And as your soul lives, because the Lord has restrained you from blood guilt and from saving with your own hand, now let your enemies and those who seek to do evil to my Lord be as Nabal. There's a lot of interchanging of Lord there. Lord is in like she's, you know, recognizing his title, uh, you know, as, as, you know, government official, so to speak, or whatever. And, but then she's also talking about God, the Lord, you know, so we have some differentiation there. It can get a little confusing. Uh, but basically, we see her like, I mean, just she's working it. And in fact, there's this whole long thing. It goes all the way down uh, to verse 31 right there where this is her talking to David. And she's just basically you know, pleading her case, making this case. And in fact, here's what, I, here's what I really love that she does is in verse 26, you see it, we just read it. It says, now then my Lord, as the Lord lives, now then my Lord talking to David, as the Lord God lives, and as your soul lives, because the Lord God has restrained you from blood guilt and from saving with your own hand. Now let your enemies and those who seek to do evil to my Lord David be as Nabal. So she's, she's saying this. She's saying, she, she's not even, she hasn't given him a chance to talk yet. Have you, if you're paying attention, and she keeps on going, but she's not giving him a chance to talk. And even in the midst of this, like she is speaking into his life, Although she, like, she literally started with like, I'm down on the ground, I'm throwing myself at you, I'm you know, as humble as I can get, it's all my fault, pin it all on me, take out all of the, all of the whatever on me, and then, what'd she say? Because the Lord has restrained you from blood guilt. She like puts the idea in David's mind, the Lord doesn't want you to do this. You're already questioning this. 
you, you've already decided that, that this isn't the right thing to do. Women have a way of doing that to us, don't they, man? <laughs> Boy, you were quick with that. <laughs> know where you're sleeping tonight. No, we, what we see here is we see God using Abigail to diffuse the situation. I mean, it's really amazing, honestly. If, like, you really look at it and see, like, and, and again, I invite you, I, re- I tried to read the whole thing during the first service. It's just, it's just so much. Read the rest of what she says there down through verse 31 later on. But, I mean, she's just going on and on and on. And, you know, she's basically just, you know, God is just, is just speaking through her in this moment that she's putting herself in this situation where literally she might be killed. And in verse 32... We have David's response, finally, after, after she has gone on and on and on. And it says this, it says, And David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who sent you this day to meet me. Blessed be your discretion, and blessed be you, who have kept me this day from, from blood guilt and from working salvation with my own hand. Wow. And so, in, and so here we have in this moment, and, and you've got you to understand the gravity of the moment. Like, think, think about this. Think about, like, you, you've brought the army. The boys are fired up. They've been sharpening their swords. They've been wiping them down. They're like, this thing's going to be the shiniest-looking sword before I start cutting people's heads off, you know? I mean, they're ready to go. He's made a vow. The vow is he's going to kill every man anywhere in that kingdom. He's he's taking them out. And this one lady, one discerning pretty lady, that's all it takes, isn't it, guys? Comes in and changes the trajectory of everything going on because the Lord, the Lord is speaking through her. And he is using her in this moment. And, and David's response, my, my favorite part of his response, blessed be your discretion and blessed be you, verse 33, who have kept me this day from blood guilt and from working salvation with my own hand. First of all, he's saying, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness to the Lord. Not to me, but to the Lord. Thank you for your faithfulness to the Lord. And then secondly, he's saying, you today have saved me from the rest of my life, the guilt that I would have lived with for the blood that would have been shed had we kept moving forward. Thirdly, and my favorite part, he says, and from working salvation with my own hand. That's us. That's what we do. We want to take control of the moment, and we want to fix it. That's what we want to do. We want to fix situations. We got, we got bad situation in life going on right now. What we want to do, we want to fix it. We can't fix it. Who can fix it? Let's get them on the phone, right? I mean, that's, that's how we look at it. It's like, who can, who can fix this? put them on the phone right now. I want to talk to them right now. We're going to figure out how much it's going to cost. We're going to have to mortgage the house. That's fine. We're going to fix this. 
That's where David was. His head was, I'm going to fix this. Verse 34, it says, For as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, who has restrained me from hurting you, unless you had hurried and come to meet me truly by morning, there had not been left in Nabal so much as one male. Then David received from her hand what she had brought him, the food, and he said to her, Go up in peace to your house. See, I have obeyed your voice, and I have granted your petition. So he's saying, Abigail, it is safe for you to go home. We are not going to attack. We're not, we're not going to come. We're not going to fight. And we don't, we don't really know what David does in this moment. Like, I, I'm imagining, like, the whole army of guys, and they're like, really, dude? Really? Like, we got all, you know, I got my on and stuff for this and then this girl and then now we're going what are we doing are we going home are they hanging out we don't know it doesn't tell us you know but i'm just imagining like there's just a whole huge bunch of people waiting to do something and all of a sudden they're not going to do it and you think to yourself he had the opportunity to fix it that's what we do i remember years ago long time ago now uh had I had somebody uh, in our church, and I, I'm not trying to speak ill about them whatsoever. Please understand that before I tell you this story. Uh, they're no, and they're no longer here. Uh, we were having a moment. The church was small, smaller, and um, this person really, I think, just wanted like power within the church. And and, and we've seen a, we've seen a few of those folks over the years. The Lord has really protected twenty four from so many things like that. <clears throat> that I know so many pastors have had to deal with different things. And uh, and th- this fella just, I mean, he just he disagreed with everything. I mean, everything we did at times. And and I'll never forget the day. Uh, we were we were in here and and this was just a warehouse and we were trying to build this thing out and uh, it was just me and him and uh, he you know he came up to talk or well, I think maybe I came up to talk with him or something I don't know but anyway it all ended with like him screaming at me and he's screaming at me for like 10 15 20 30 minutes I don't know it felt like five hours uh, you know wish I'd stopwatch I could have timed it for you <laughs> but you know. And, and while that was going on, all I could think about was, this is exactly why I didn't want to be a pastor, right? Like, I was like, I, I, you know, I didn't have to deal with that junk when I was a youth pastor so much. Usually it was like some crazy parent that was flying off the handle about me making a kid throw up or something, but whatever. <laughs> so... But so we're, we're, we're hanging out. I thought we're going to have like this conversation to make some decisions about some things moving forward or whatever, and it just ends up being this screaming thing. And, and I'll be honest, I, I fell into the trap. I, I let him scream at me for a while, and then finally I fell in the trap, and I screamed back at him for a while. And I was like, well, you, you give it to me, I'm going to give it back, you know, or whatever. And, and, but just, you know, it wasn't just that day. There were more of those instances to come, unfortunately. Uh, and and I just remember, like, in the middle of that, I went, I just, I didn't know what to do, and I wanted to fix it. And you know what I wanted to do? I wanted to be like, you are out of here. You know, that's what I wanted to do. But I've never, do, I've never done that. I wanted to do it. 
And, and I was like, Lord, are you wanting me, are you wanting me literally to kick this guy out of our church? I'm just, this is, it's driving me insane. What am I going to do? And I go to my dad. My dad's all wise, you know. And I've seen him over the years deal with people like this. I've seen people screaming at my dad. That My dad has literally laid his life down for at times. You know, I'm like, what are you doing screaming at my dad in the garage? I'm going to kill you, you know, kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, and, and so dad tells me this. He says, I'm like, what, am I, what do I do? I, I'm, I think, I think I'm going to kick him out. I think I'm going to kick him out. And he's like, son. I was like, yeah. He's like, here's what you need to do. I said, okay, I'm listening. You need to wait on the Lord. And I was like, really? Like, really? Like, I mean, I mean, the Lord made me, uh, you know, the pastor of the church. I mean, I ought to be able to just, you know, what, right? He's like, you can do that. You can do that. You don't need to do that. You need to wait on the Lord. And um, I didn't want to hear that. And the truth is, is that when we are knowing that about a situation in our life, we don't want to hear it either. Like, that's the last thing we want to hear. Why? Because we want to fix it. We want to make it go away. We don't like pain. We hate suffering. But guess what? Scripture teaches us it's a part of life. And we need to wait on the Lord. And here, David has a moment where he's taking the bull by the horns. And he's about to fix the situation. The only way that he knows how is this strong army guy with all of his boys and all their swords and they're ready to fight. And Abigail comes in and she speaks truth to David in this moment. Praise God that she did. Think about all the lives that were saved. Think about all the fathers and sons and brothers that didn't die that day because she, she was faithful to the Lord and she listened to the Lord to, be, to allow her to be uh, the speaker to him in that moment that he would hear from the Lord the truth that he needed to hear, which is wait on the Lord. Verse 36 says this, verse 36 it says, And Abigail came to Nabal, and behold, he was holding a feast in his house, like the feast of a king. And Nabal's heart was merry within him. We're about to find out why. Because he was very drunk. So she told him nothing at all until the morning light. And in the morning when the wine had gone out of Nabal, his wife told him these things, and his heart died within him. This, is a, this, kind of, this part is kind of like, I really wish I knew more about what was going on, but it, we didn't have a coroner's report. So, uh, you know, and we're not even to that yet. But like something happens within him when she gives him this news, like here's what I've done and here's what we're going to do kind of a thing. And, and, it's, and it says, and his heart died within him, and he became as a stone. And you go, oh, he died. No, he didn't die. Well, how do we know he didn't die? Because verse 38, and about 10 days later, the Lord struck Nabal and he died. And I'm just like, this is the way God works. Folks, let me tell you something. If I've learned anything over the years in my personal walk with the Lord, it is this. Trust him. Trust him. 
We think we know what's best for us sometimes. And oftentimes we do not. And oftentimes what we need to do is we need to wait on the Lord. And we need to let him do his thing. And I'll tell you, in in the moments of my life, like the situation I was just talking about a minute ago, it wasn't until I finally like really trusted in the Lord and just said, Lord, this is in your hands. I'm gonna, I didn't kick the guy out, okay? Uh, I, I just, you know, just truthfully in my heart, trusted in the Lord, said, Lord, this is you. You got this. You're going to figure it out. You're going to deal with it. You know, because I had, I had people at the time around me going, what, what are you going to do? How are you going to handle it? I'm like, I don't know. The Lord's got something else. I really wanted to kick him out, but he said no. And the Lord removed him from our church, ministry. And, and here, here's the great part, because it sounds really bad. It's not really bad. It allowed me to continue to keep a relationship with that person. I, I love him. I love him. I love his family. And we still have a great relationship. But guess what would have happened if I'd kicked him out? I'd been that guy that kicked him out of that church that one time. That's who, what I'd been. And sometimes we want to take control and we need to wait on the Lord. Verse 39 continues. It says, when David heard that Nabal had died, he said, Blessed be the Lord who has avenged the insult I received at the hand of Nabal and has kept back his servant from wrongdoing. The Lord has returned the evil of Nabal on his own head. <clears throat> then David sent and spoke to Abigail to take her as his wife. You can't write the ends of these stories, people. I'm telling you. Wait on the Lord. Some of you single folks right now, you need to wait on the Lord. See that? See what might happen? David doubles up. He ends up with like two or three wives before it's over with. Scripture does not, is not pro that. Okay, just by the way, that was a cultural thing happening. Yes, Scripture talks about it, but Scripture is reporting what was happening historically, not saying, hey, you should go take two or three wives. We don't, we don't condone that, okay? But he goes on, he says, then David sent and spoke to Abigail to take her as his wife. Uh, verse 40, when the servants of David came to Abigail at Carmel, they said to her, David has sent us to take you to him as his wife. And she rose and bowed with her face to the ground and said, behold, your handmaid is a servant to wash the feet of the servants of my Lord. And Abigail hurried and rose and mounted a donkey. And she and her five young women attended her. She followed the messengers of David and became his wife. That wouldn't have happened if David went in there with an army. And they had children. They had a family. And I just come back to, in our hearts, we allow our emotions to drive sometimes decision-making that we know we shouldn't allow to drive us. Proverbs 20, 22 says this. It says, do not say I will repay evil. Wait for the Lord and he will deliver you. Wait for the Lord and he will deliver you. Somebody needs to hear that today. Maybe you need to hear that today. Maybe you have somebody in your life right now that the Lord's just like laying this heavy on your heart that you need to go back and you need to share some of this with them. You need to share some of the scripture with them. This story, this Proverbs passage. How about Romans 12, 19? Let's hit that. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, 
but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. That is so hard. It's so hard. If somebody talks bad about you, they do you wrong in a business deal, whatever it is, you know what? Move on. Give it to the Lord. Let him deal with it. You say, Chris, you don't know what you're talking about. I guarantee you I know what I'm talking about when it comes to that. I, you come ask me, and I'll tell you my personal stories. You're like, oh, you're a preacher. You don't deal with that stuff. <laughs> Whatever. We got our problems. Never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. David felt like he had to avenge himself. He felt like he had to do something. This guy, how dare we've been protecting his people, and how dare he turn his nose up at us and not be willing to share some of the food that he's got. I know how rich that sucker is. Got all those goats and sheep out there. Got the wool factory in his backyard. And he won't give us some scraps? Mm. We're going to go take him out. And then God sent Abigail to stop him. God sent his wife to stop him, who would become David's wife. And the Lord confirmed this decision by taking the ball on his own. You can't get me to believe otherwise about that. And folks, I, I can tell these stories later too if you want to hear them. I can tell you stories of almost, not the same exact thing because this is a crazy story, but it's very similar where I have seen the Lord take literal people from planet earth to death to remove them from the things that he wants to do. I can give you names. I can tell you the stories. Don't go against what the Lord wants. We too want to control. We want to think that fate is in our hands, but it is not. We must trust in the Lord. And I go back to that verse 33 where he says, and from working salvation with my own hand. You kept me from working salvation with my own hand. Folks, we cannot work salvation with our own hands. Our fate is not in our hands. It is in the Lord's. Our salvation is in the hands of Jesus. And to go right along with that, we have Isaiah 40, 31, and it says, But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles, and they shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Strength will rise if we wait upon the Lord. You know the song. The song is from that. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. Well, let me tell you something. We don't, we're not given that strength while we wait just to make ourselves feel good and to go work out at Orange Theory real good this week, okay? <laughs> you just couldn't help yourself, could you? <laughs> he gives us that strength so that when we're done waiting and he opens the door, we will act and go through it. So where are you? 
Are you waiting on the Lord with something right now? Is there something going on in your life that you just, you're, you're tapping your foot and you're like, come on, God, I'm about to take control here. I'm about to get the boys with the swords and we're going to go. What is it? Or maybe you've waited and you've been waiting and you've been faithful and now the Lord has brought you to this point and it's happening and the door is thrown open and you're sitting there staring at the doorway like, oh, what do you think we should do? Come on. Go through with faithfulness. Go through with the strength that he gives you. He gives us strength that we will move when it's time. Salvation isn't in our hands. It's in the hands of Jesus. And I can tell you in my life that I am so grateful that it is not about how good I can be, but how good Jesus was, that my salvation is in him. He alone... He alone paid the price, died on the cross, shed his blood, that my sins could be forgiven, that I could be given a new life and eternal life. All because, why? He loved me. He shouldn't have. I'm an idiot. But salvation is in his hands. And today, I encourage you, if you've never trusted in Christ, today, trust in him. Wait on the Lord. Let's pray. God, we thank you most of all for your son. Most of all for your son. God, we're reminded that a guy like David is just like us. And he needs you as bad as we need you. And we need you awful bad. God, we need your leadership in our lives. We don't just need you to save us. We need you to lead us and guide us through this life that we might glorify you in all that we do, that others might know who you are because they know us. God, I pray that you would use us in that way, but God, help us to be faithful. Help us in our moments of unbelief. Help us to trust completely in you. Help rid of us anxiety that keeps us from trusting and believing that you really do have this, Lord. You do have this. And God, we thank you for that. Thank you for reminding us of that. Thank you for your word and how it pours over us and speaks to us and chisels at us to make us more like you. Lord, thank you that it's not up to us. Thank you for Jesus. Well, I pray for anybody, Lord, that hasn't trusted in Christ to be their Savior. Today, I pray that you would speak to their hearts, that they would see clearly, Lord, that salvation is not in their hand. It is in the hands of Jesus. God, do a work in them that only you can do. And thank you so much for all that you have given us, but especially your Son on the cross. God, we trust in him today and we thank you. We ask this in his name. Amen.